Ladies and gentlemen, today is January 20th, 2024, and already there is a massive, massive amount of news. I am your host, Joshua Michael, today, and we're going to start out with this special emergency transmission from Dr. Bartlett talking about Ebola, secret Bill Gates project, injecting live Ebola with hospital workers in Denver. Take a listen. Denver Health paramedics, doctors, and nurses have just been vaccinated with a live Ebola vaccine. Never before have we had uh, anyone in Denver, Colorado, or in Colorado at all vaccinated for Ebola. So this is history-making two months ago. Why would they be doing that? They said they're doing it in uh, preparation for a potential Ebola outbreak. Why would they be thinking that's possible? Well, there's a lab being created uh, down the street from Denver uh, in Colorado Springs where they're literally, it's advertising that they will be doing bat research, and it has been reported that they will be working with Ebola, Nipah virus, and COVID. So you actually have, this is actually infecting people with live Ebola virus. That's what wow. the Ervibo vaccine is. It's live Ebola virus. That's what the Ervibo vaccine is. And so if you look at the FDA package insert, they're obligated to have package inserts, which we were, uh, that was kept from the public with the COVID shots. But with Ervibo, the Ebola vaccine, you can look, anyone can Google or search uh, the Ervibo Ebola vaccine, which the Denver Health uh, paramedics, nurses, and doctors received, and it, it will tell you there's a 31% shedding rate, meaning that they have live virus that could be transmitted to uh, their spouse, to a loved one, to a neighbor, possibly to someone that they meet in the mall that does not know that they've been exposed to live Ebola virus. And so 31% in their package insert, the FDA package insert, that's the source of this information. I found that shocking. They admit that the reason they're they're taking care of their first responders, paramedics, doctors, nurses at Denver Health, the uh, healthcare center in the in Colorado, uh, for a future outbreak of Ebola. So why would they be thinking that? Maybe it has something to do with a lab that's being created right now that reportedly is going to be working with Ebola. And when you're doing genetic engineering on uh, Ebola, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. If it'll be more infectious, if it'll be which. Uh, that's what data function research is about, making it more contagious, more, more infectious, and also more deadly. It's genetic engineering. Ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Michael, Noncompliant America, thank you very much for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, get this transmission out to all your friends and family. Let them know right now, going on in the United States, illegal testing of a live Ebola virus has been being pushed on for the past couple months starting in Denver. They are looking. This is the new outbreak. This is disease X. Could this be the one? Could this be the moment to keep Donald Trump out of the White House and keep the people from restoring the American populist constitution in the United States? We are at the fork of the road to determine our futures and welcome to Noncompliant America. Thank you very much for joining me. Wow. So there's a lot going on. The Ebola vaccine that sheds. Keep in mind, this is a shedding virus. 
that's able to shed the 31%. And the Ebola that we know has an 82% to 86% mortality uh, of, of non-survival, which means it kills most of the people that it comes in contact with. Now, there's been speculation on being able to make it more airborne and have an airborne Ebola or some type of shedding, whether that be some type of chemical exposure, uh, you know, oils, gas, just basic uh, things from us and the exertions that we do uh, on a daily basis, such as, you know, breathing, touching doorknobs, excretion, oils, um, you know, all the fluids that come out of our body constantly all the time. We're always being exposed and exposing each other, which is why kids get sick and, you know, all the classrooms and all that stuff. You guys all already understand that. So a 31% shed on a potential airborne Ebola. Let's get into this. In November of last year, Colorado healthcare workers at Denver Health received doses of a live Ebola vaccine. This is just now coming out. Hospital officials said that the regional emerging special pathogen treatment center team, because some of the first to receive Merrick's Irvoba, uh, Ebola jab for preventative measures in case of future outbreaks. Now, listen, when they say preventative, they don't mean preventative. They mean they're spreading it. A lot of doctors have said that the actual flu the seasons blind, come from the, the flu shots. Man is king. In the, the time of syphilis outbreaks, the HIV outbreaks, key. it's all come out From now. Those were experimental shots, experimental vaccinations 10. in the gay communities in the 80s, uh, overseen Michael. by Fauci and a few other people that have started that whole thing. So this is more of the same. We knew this was coming. We knew that they were attempting to do this. We knew they were going to do this. That's what's important, is we are not being caught flat-footed. Now, what do we do? What does this mean? We need to make sure that we're, we're holding these people accountable. So the U.S. FDA, for the EVOBA status, that the vaccine sheds onto 31.7% of the time for up to 20 days after the vaccination. So that means there is a prime period, 20 days is what they say, which it could be more, because keep in mind, they think radiation exposure is healthy. They're still saying that radiation exposure is healthy. And when radiation gets too bad, like they did in Hiroshima, the radiation levels are so toxic that they just raise the standard of what radiation levels are deemed, quote unquote, acceptable. This is the problem with bureaucracies and runaway bureaucracies and runaway governments is we're trusting them way too much than we should. We should no longer trust these institutions. They are corrupt and they do not have our best interest in any account. This is the importance of getting self-sufficient. This is the importance of getting uh, you know, self-preserved and self-educated and educating yourselves on these infrastructures and we need to deem them irrelevant. Stop going to them for advice. Stop looking on CNN for the news. They're not going to look out for your best interest. If it's on CNN, you're already behind. If you're doing what they say, you've already lost. The vaccine virus, RNA, has been, been detected in blood, saliva, urine, and fluid from the skin vessels from the vaccinated individuals. These are the people, and it was a study, that 31%, 19 out of 60, 
participants in a 12 month through 17 years of age and enroll uh, and older and a subsidy shed vaccine virus in saliva following the vaccination. This is shedding, folks. It's shedding. And I do not believe it is just the Ebola. It is not just the Ebola. And you're going to see and hear more of this. They're going to come up with some type of name. They're probably not going to call it Ebola because there's too much history in it. If you read The Hot Zone, or is it The Hot Zone? There's a book called uh, The Hot Zone. I highly suggest you guys read it. Uh, It is about the CDC developing Ebola in the late 80s and the history of that. Do you know who owns the patent of Ebola? It is the CDC. Yes, you did not hear me stutter. They have a lot of patents. A lot of patents are tied in. A lot of the vaccination patents. The new Ebola bat lab just down the road from the Denver Health Institute A $12 million taxpayer-funded lab is being built in Fort Collins, Colorado, just 65 miles north of the Denver Health Facility, where they're administering administering these experimental Ebola vaccines in the name of preventing a future outbreak. Do you understand how crazy that is? These are live viruses that they're injecting into people. Into people. To quote-unquote prevent a future outbreak. This might be the disease X, folks. This might be the disease X. And you need to call your counties. You need to call uh, your commissioners, your governor, everybody. And we need to get very, very loud about this and blow the whistle on this as loud and often as possible. Upon everything else going on, this can be the altering event that's going to create the next pandemic. The next pandemic, which could be a real pandemic, not a plandemic. The plandemic was set up to determine our responses and find out who all the players were and who the people that were going to rise up and say no against this. They have all of our number. So they're going to be moving into the next phase, which is misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. And they're going to start building the new infrastructure of censorship and start arresting the opposition for anybody that speaks out against this oncoming onslaught of fraud. And these people need to be tried and put into prison immediately. These white coats, these experts, these scientists, these doctors that are doing this experiment in the name of self-preservation, in the name of future outbreaks, they need to be stopped immediately. The lab will import bats from around the world and experiment on dangerous diseases, according to the Daily Mail. Proposals for 14,000, a 14,000 square foot facility. The lab could store a study of some of the most deadly transmissible pathogens on the planet, including Ebola, Nipah virus, and the infamous COVID-19, which stands for Certificate of Vaccination ID. Unquote. The project is a collaboration between Dr. Anthony Fauci's Old Department of the National Institute of Health, 
Colorado State University, and the Eco Health Alliance. Where have we heard about the Eco Health Alliance? EcoHealth is a controversial New York-based research group at the center of the COVID lab leak theory by Peter Daszak, who channeled millions of Americans' taxpayers' dollars to fund the gain-of-function research that quote-unquote did not exist, and it came from bats. And this was transferred, as we know, out of the North Carolina Institute to the Wuhan lab in 2014 which ultimately led to the outbreak. And there's always leakage. A level four uh, control center lab is not 100% secure. They always leak. Everything always leaks. It's not 100%. Nothing is 100% secure. Definitely not our elections. So pushing this Ebola treatment, Remdesivir which has 53% mortality rate. So good old remdesivir is going to be the new treatment for Ebola. And what do we know that remdesivir? It shuts down our organs, makes it hard to breathe, basically kills you. It's a soft kill weapon. It is not meant to help you. The Ebola has 50% death rate on this one. Those infected with Ebola die at a higher rate, exceeding 50% after taking remdesivir. We know this. And here's the science. Here's the the charts behind it. I'm going to post this on my Twitter as well as on this show today. This is very important, folks. This is very, very important. The financial stress, here's an interesting twist. The stress of that Denver hospital is about to break because of the migrant crisis. So there's a bunch of illegals flooding this hospital and overwhelming this hospital. Lo and behold, they might be ground zero for the new conflict, which ultimately means what? Government funding, emergency funding, extra funding. They're going to get their bailout because poor me, poor me, we're having an outbreak and we need all the help that we can get. Do you see the correlation, folks? But guess what? We are winning because this transmission, all the other transmissions, speaking out, blowing the whistle on this stuff, these people are scared, they are terrified, and they are not going to get away with this. Stay tuned, folks. Right on the other side, I'm Joshua Michael. We'll be right back. Sometimes when life can be overwhelming, it's it's good to look inward and look upward and pray to God. And remember that we got to give God all of the glory for everything. For us, for every single day, every single breath that we get, we have to give praise to God. Because He's the one that allows all of this to happen. But He will also be the one to guide us through this. Because, let's face it, we are definitely living in biblical times. The best of times, the worst of times. We are going through the ring of fire. 
and being challenged and tested psychologically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in all accounts. And that's what we're undergoing. But aren't we blessed to be able to have this animated contest of liberty, this great life experience where there's generations that have gone silent with their head down and yeah, they might've had good lives and easy lives, simple lives, white picket fence. You know, there was probably some suffrage in there. I'm not going to discount that. I think every generation goes through their own form, but we are in a fantastical crescendo of acceleration where things are happening so quickly. More importantly, the empire, you are watching it grasp its last grasp of power and its last attempt to enslave the populations for generations to come. They are trying to swallow the entire planet into their system. And there's people, lots of people at Davos right now trying to normalize the global enslavement system via the CBDCs, the internet of, of things, the censorship, the consolidation of resources, the turning off of our power, the turning off of our food, shutting down food infrastructure, and all the great farms and farmers across the world while seizing property, trying to deem the air on your property as their property and push it into the trade market to where they can own the air. Think of that, folks. And preserve the well-being of all the trees. Trees have rights. Because they're people too. Not that we all work in simpatico. And it's not that we don't need trees. Absolutely we do. But we've also find, and as being an Oregonian and understanding the timber industry, these timber miners, essentially loggers that are, you know, stripping away these mountaintops and, and everything else. Everybody's like, oh, the trees, the trees, the trees. They are replanting more trees than they're taking out. And it's better. It's a more healthier growth that's created from this stuff. It's okay to do that. And we need that. That's what keeps our complex civilization at bay is the ability to harness and justify resources. Kind of like all the people in the electric cars. I know that there are all these videos going on with Tesla, with the electric cars across the, across the United States this past week in the ice. Guess what? They were SOL. Guess what? They couldn't get out. Guess what? They couldn't open their doors. The electric cars and not just Tesla. I mean, there's EVs everywhere. There's all kinds of EVs. It's about to be a huge influx of EVs from China that are going to come in. Once these cities and states start mandating electric vehicle requirements by 2025, 2026, mandating this lunacy. And I get it. Electric vehicles, they have their purpose. But they're not the end-all, be-all. There's nothing like a good old-fashioned American gas-powered vehicle 
to get where you need to go. You pull over, you get some fuel, you get on your way, and you keep going. You don't have to stop. There's so many people, I drive by these charging stations, and they feel like they're winning. They have this grin on their face, or they're just staring at their cell phone. And they're there for hours charging their vehicle. Another interesting thing that I found out is all the money being spent and the subsidies for these charging stations, these great charging stations, there's no maintenance costs associated with these charging stations. Once the person putting in or the group or the company or the location putting in these charging stations, they're not maintaining them. And so in some cases, you'll have 10 charging stations, but maybe only eight of them work. And the other two need service. But who's going to service them? There's no need to service them. There's no money for it. There's no incentive. Because the whole premise of the people even choosing electric vehicles are the incentives. And basically the free money that they think that they're getting. It's a sucker's bet. How long do EV vehicles last? Are they going to last for 10, 15, 20 years? We don't know because they haven't been around that long. But find me a battery that lasts for 20 years. Find me a battery that lasts for 10 years. Not many of them out there. They have to be swapped out and everything else and the discharge. And yeah, it's convenient. Oh, we're saving on all of this maintenance because we don't have to work on our engine. And there are some advantages to it. But listen, folks, if you think that the future is going to be battery-powered houses and battery-powered this, yeah, okay, you might have some LED lights, but you ain't getting any heat because you're not going to have any fuel to burn it. So we got to understand, we can't keep going in this direction. We have to fight back. And when on the next segment, I want to talk about This Let My People Go documentary that just came out that we movie premiered last night in Sherwood that was phenomenal. It's very, very, very inspiring. It's a beautiful, it's very long. I wish it was cut down just a little bit, but there's so much information to unpack. But it goes through what's going on with the January Sixers. It's going on with what happened with our elections, how they stole it, how they stole it. They didn't name names necessarily but they showed all the depths and details on how the election's stolen. And it's up to us, and we have to get live now and get active for this future election because this is the end, folks. 2024 is the end of the road. We'll be right back. From the formal state of Oregon in FEMA Region 10, it's your host, Joshua Michael. Alright, welcome back folks, third segment. Thank you very much for joining me. After all, it is up to you. And if you are not upset right now and just absolutely pissed off with everything going on in the world, they are robbing our futures, they are robbing us blind, they are robbing our children, they are robbing our grandparents, they are robbing everything right out in front of us. 
and they think that they can go manufacture a virus and manufacture a pandemic and manufacture a World War III scenario and manufacture all of this stuff around us to get us to sit down and be compliant and shut up, sit down and shut up. And we are their slaves, right? Are you going to be their slave? The fact is, is we've all been slaves in some form or fashion in our lives. But the fact is, is that also we are now realizing what to the depths our life is being manipulated and controlled and is not natural. There are people, evil forces amongst us with a lot of wealth, but they do not have God. And they do not have the will of the people. And people all over the world are starting to fight back. They have pushed too far. They are not going to get out of this. They are not, despite what they say and decide to say at the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, doesn't matter. The people are not going to go along with it. And we know who they are now. They're being identified. Speaking of which, I'm going to get back on to this Ebola thing because I think it is absolutely huge. I think it's the next wave that they're going to be pushing on top of the World War III that NATO states that they're on the brink of going to war with this evil Russian group. Even though Russia's like, hey, we're not doing anything. We did exactly what we said we were going to do in Ukraine. You guys kept provoking us. And so we went in. We had to. We waited over eight years. Until we did that, of you guys pushing and pushing and provoking and provoking and provoking. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to want to start a world war? No, I don't think so. But I think we underestimate certain things going on. With the blabbering Biden at our fingertips, we know uh, that he is not the one running things. So over in Davos, this gal named uh, Queen Maxima of the Netherlands called for a universal digital ID that would be able to track everything from financial transactions to vaccination status. Let me read that again. From financial transactions to vaccination status. A digital ID. Digital ID. If you look at some of the Bill Gates patents, they have a Band-Aid that you put on to your skin with little tiny pieces of glass and spikes on it that's serial numbered that it dissolves on your skin. It vaccinates you and also tags you. Why would somebody want to develop something like that? Why would somebody want to develop something like that? Speaking at the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos on Thursday, Queen Maxima, who served in the United States Secretary General's Special Advocate for Inclusive Finance for the Development, UNSGSA. Dude, we just need to get rid of them. You got an acronym like that? Psh, you guys need to, you just, come on. How many bureaucracies do we have? There's over 1,300 agencies in the federal government like this one. What do we need them for? What's their purpose? Well, now we're starting to realize what their purpose is. Anyway, she said the governments could use biometric digital IDs globally to track who actually got vaccinated or not. How would they be able to do that? How would they be able to do that? 
if people weren't broadcasting signals and MAC addresses, like on that documentary, Died Suddenly, go to diedsuddenly.info and watch it. It's fascinating. These guys can actually pick these people up with Bluetooth. She quotes, when I started this job, there were actually very little countries in Africa or Latin America that had one ubiquitous type of ID. And certainly that was digital. And certainly that was biometric, she said during the panel discussion. We've really worked all with all of our partners to actually grow this. It's interesting choice of word. Grow? Grow? What is she growing? Interesting. Quote, the interesting part of it is that, yes, it is very necessary for financial services, but not only. And you can read the whole quote here. I guess I just should just play it. Digital ID is good for knowing who got their vaccination or not. Take a listen. Right. And um, I have to say that when, we, when I started this job, there were actually very little countries in Africa or Latin America that had one ubiquitous mm-hmm. type of ID. And certainly that <clears throat> it was digital. And certainly that it was biometric. And uh, we really worked with all our partners to actually help that being, uh, um, I mean, to grow this. And the interesting part of it is that, you know, yes, it is very necessary for financial services, but not only. So, you know, it's also good for school enrollment. It's also good for health, who actually got a vaccination or not. Uh, it's, it's very good to actually to get your subsidies, you know, from the government. So this has not only effect to the financial services. It's a very important issue. So, Can you hear that, lady? So they're trying to roll out this system tied in with the digital vac or ID system, aka COVID, Certificate of Vaccination ID. Now we know. Now we know what that's what stands for. And so they're trying to roll this out. Now, how are they going to do it? Because you're looking around, you're going like, I got my credit cards, everything else. Well, there's actually a patent that Visa, yeah, Visa, that runs the MasterCard system, they actually already rolled out a patent to accept CBDC infrastructure. When the government goes to roll it out, the word on the street is September. September 2024 is when they're going to make the push and or crash the financial system and push everybody all that with that's on government assistance and everything else onto the new CBDC program. For example, if you're getting food stamps, if you're giving government assistance, if you're on housing, if you're on, and believe it or not, folks, there are a lot more people than you think. Not just Americans, not just migrants, not just illegals. American citizens are utilizing these services. But that's why they want to roll out the illegals to increase that budget, to increase the deficit, increase the output that's needed in the United States to be sustainable and break the financial system. That's the point. They're being used. They've shut down their industries for some of them two to three years. Some of these countries were shut down and in lockdown mode. Could you imagine destroying their industries, destroying their infrastructure? Could you imagine And so what's that going to do? They're like, we have to go north. They're the only ones still open. They're the only ones with prosperity. They're the only ones do this. Then you have the Joe Biden, our president, going, yeah, come on in. You better surge the border. 
And then he goes, oh, I didn't say that. Immediately surge the border when I become president and I steal the election from this guy that has the most votes ever in history. (laughs) I mean, come on, guys. Come on. So the point is, the point of anything is that at what point is enough enough? At what point are we going to start to get angry and channel that anger away from the bottle, away from TV, away from suspended disbelief and just wanting to go away and dig our heads in the sand and just hope and pray that it all goes away. At what point do we channel that anger and become lions out of sheep? At what point? I believe we're at that breaking point. I also believe with what the state of Oregon's doing, with the misinformation, malinformation, disinformation, everything else, there is a trend going on everywhere globally. They're talking about it in Davos. What's the number one threat? Misinformation, malinformation, disinformation. What a coincidence. Oregon's just passed that system and is trying to push it through, and there's a lawsuit going on against it, and we're the only state that actually is exposing it. And we had Mark Thielman on talking about it, who's heading that whole thing. He's doing great work. So why is there a trend on that? Why are they trying to roll this censorship system out prior to the biggest election in history? Not just in the United States. It's happening everywhere. It's happening all over the world. This is the biggest election year in history. So why are they trying to stop it? Because they know their time is very limited. Excuse me. And as more shows like this pop up, as more people start to look, take a step back and go, wait a minute, what am I looking at? That doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? I can't do that. I think we can't do that. I'm I'm not okay with that. Oh, you're going to do it again? It's going to get worse? Okay, I'm going to go down. I'm going to go tell those people. I'm going to go give those people a piece of my mind. You know what? I'm not going to shop at Target anymore. I'm not going to buy Bud Light anymore. I'm going to reject the NBA for all their kneeling and bullcrap and anti-American rhetoric that they do and they let people get away with. And people, the American spirit worldwide, the 1776 spirit worldwide is awakening. And these people, these tyrants, these predators, they know it. And that's why they have to block the gates and put in the infrastructure and get you to swallow this pill of bullcrap to censor you and deplatform you and then start arresting and murdering all of us. That's their goal. Mark my words, folks. One more segment, we'll be right back. The clock is ticking, folks. This is our last chance to take this country back peacefully, lawfully, and it's time to arrest the tyrants. But let's bring in some theme music to get this motivated and get this thing started, huh? Shall we? If you're not as mad as and upset as I am, you should be. 
because they are robbing your future too. They are stealing money out of your bank account too. They're robbing us all blind in front of us and trying to get us to accept it as to be fact. As this is just the way that it is. Sit down, slave. But are we going to sit down? Are we going to go quietly into that good night? I don't think so. And just understand, as the world darkens, the light is growing and building and the pressures are building and building and there is nothing that they can stop us from awakening and stop God's spirit from resonating all across the world. That's right. Woo! Boy, is it a good day. And again, I apologize for being absent these past couple weeks. There's a lot going on, a lot of life to be lived. But what life is worth living if it's so easy? We should all be challenged every day and be challenging ourselves every day because that gives us an opportunity to get closer to God and ask for forgiveness, ask for his guidance and his support. That gives us an opportunity to do that. Every hard road that we need to take is an opportunity to challenge ourselves, to challenge our spiritual guidance. Such a spiritual guidance, and you can only imagine, I was talking about that film I watched last night um, <clears throat> called Let My People Go. If you haven't seen it, it is amazing. Um, let me see if I can find the link here. It's letmypeoplego.movie. And the trailer does not do it justice. It's an amazing documentary. It's amazing. It's three hours long. I suggest kind of watching it in pieces if you can, if you don't have the time. But it just goes through the election systems, how they stole it, how they're going to steal it. And what's interesting is that it's not new. It's not anything new. This is, this is very, um, they're using the same tactics every, every cycle. Yeah, they're getting deeper and more sophisticated in it. But what's also interesting is he really dives in to the J6ers and the January 6ers, which is expanding, by the way. And if you remember the Department of Homeland Security, or was it the FBI or the Department of Homeland Security? have said that they're going to start going after people that didn't even go into the Capitol, if you were even on or around near the Capitol grounds. Like Enrique Tarrio wasn't even in Washington, D.C., is sitting in a cell right now. Think about that, guys. Think about that. And these people need our support. They absolutely need our support, and we need not to understand that they are political prisoners. And we remember uh, outreach. If we remember the uh, the J Six national anthem that was on iTunes, and it went to number one. 
and they uh, they were singing the national anthem, and all that money hopefully went towards them. But we need not to forget about them, because no, while you are sitting here hanging out with your kids, mowing your lawn, doing whatever you want to do, that they're there every day in a cell for simply standing up for their rights. So let's go out with this and remember all the prisoners and all the people that are suffering today. Let's not forget. All that I have, all that I am is yours, Lord, King, Jesus. You will not be able to contain the power that works through your life from that moment on. So be the Red Sea, meet God's conditions, and you will have the opportunity to declare, proclaim here and abroad. Let my people go. Now we'll do the roll call. So for those lives lost on January 6th, Ashley Babbitt, Roseanne Boylan, Kevin Greeson, Benjamin Phillips, and on the next day, Officer Brian Sicknick, rest in peace. Those detained, John Andres, Daniel Ball, Thomas Ballard, Roger Bow, Joe Biggs, Aiden Billiard, Matthew Bledsoe, Kenneth Bonowitz, Tim Bonner, Nicholas Brockoff, Larry Brock, Antoine Brodnax, Jeffrey Brown, Jeremy Brown, Alan Byerly, Daniel Caldwell, Matthew Caspel, William Cressman, Eric Christie, Lonnie Kaufman, Nolan Cook, Mason Corson, Nicholas DiCarlo, David Dempsey, Lucas Denny, Charles Donahoe, Israel Easterday, Robert Fairchild, Troy Faulkner, Brandon Fellows, Kyle Fitzsimmons, Mitchell Gardner, Robert Gieswein, James Grant, Matthew Green, Timothy Hale, Kenneth Harrelson, Joshua Haynes, Donald Hazard, Albuquerque Head, Andrew Hernandez, Brian Jackson, Shane Jenkins, Douglas Jensen, Justin Jersey, David Judd, Julian Qatar, Matthew Kroll, Jacob Lang, Nicholas Langerin, Samuel Lazar, Marcus Malley, Christian Manley, Cody Matisse, James Malt, Mark Mazza, Ronald McAbee, Patrick McAfee, James McGrew, David McAuffle, Sean McHugh, Jeffrey McKellip, Kelly Meggs, Jonathan Mellis, Garrett Miller, Matthew Miller, Jordan Meek, Robert Morse, Christopher Moynihan, Jonathan Munifo, Marshall Neef, Daryl Neely, Ethan Nordine, Nicholas Ox, Joseph Padilla, Robert Palmer, Dominic Pozzola, Mark Ponder, Christine Priola, Mahela Pryor, Chris Quaglin, Barry Ramey, Guy Reffitt, Zach Real, William Reed, Stuart Rhodes, Howard Richardson, Thomas Robertson, Daniel Rodriguez, Moises Romero, Greg Rubernacker, Jerry Riles, Jeffrey Sable, Ryan Samsel, Robert Sanford, Ronald Sandlin, 
Salvador Sandoval, Troy Sargent, Peter Schwartz, Christian Secor, Hunter Seafried, Bart Shively, Jeffrey Sills, Glenn Simon, Charles Smith, Tommy Smith, Peter Steger, Andrew Taki, Enrique Tario, George Tenney, Devlin Thompson, Dustin Thompson, Jessica Watkins, William Watson, Matthew Webler, Thomas Webster, Jack Witten, Anthony Williams, Duke Wilson, Ricky Wilden, Kyle Young, and those we've lost to suicide, Christopher Georgia, Matthew Perna, and Mark Unks. Rest in peace. Don't forget, folks, it's the fight for the future. Right now, and the time is now. These aren't going to be the last people being persecuted politically. It is up to us to get active, to get off of the couch, and fight for our futures. Thanks for listening. I'm Joshua Michael, Noncompliant America. Make sure to like, subscribe, share, noncompliantamerica.com.